Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Press Play Lifestyle Inspired Podcast. It's a podcast that does interviews with inspirational people, like my new friend here, as well as provides custom content and monologues on topics to help our listeners, that's you, find the resources, tools, and support they need to be their best inspired self. So today I'd like to introduce my friend, mentor, and colleague, uh, Mr. Michael Giorgio. You want to say hi, Michael? Hi. How are you doing, Jackie? Good. I'm surprised you didn't say hi, Michael, because, you know, you're sassy like that. <laughs> who, me? Yeah, who, me? Never. Um, so uh, the reason I invited Michael to the podcast is, um, I, as everyone knows, I try to invite people that inspire me. And Michael does this wonderful, in addition to being uh, an author with several published books, um, Michael runs a teen writing workshop. And my oldest daughter happens to be in that writing workshop. And just to see these young folks, right? So my, my daughter's in her early teens and some of the other students are, you know, mid to late teens. See them come out so inspired to create like written art is mm-hmm. beautiful. Um, so how long have you been running the teen writing workshop, Michael? We've had them now for two and a half years. Two and a half. We started with four girls. And some have come, some have gone. Our original four have all graduated, so they're not in the teen groups anymore. So we, that's the only group I teach that I have to worry about them aging out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we have old folks who've been around forever in the adult groups, but the teenagers, they do tend to age on us. They, yeah, they grow up, darn them. Darn I lost three this last session to graduation into college. Oh, I know, I know. So do any of your students um, come back into the other programs offered by the All Raiders um, workshop? Not yet, but these were the first ones that we've lost that way. So they're off at school. Yeah, they are. I suppose they're all um, kind of dealing. Give them time because my daughter was one of them and she will be back, whether she likes it or not. Yeah, she doesn't have any choice, does she? That's right. She comes from two Um, parents that write, so. Yeah, so something interesting that... um, I, mean, I obviously won't say any of the girls' names, but uh, one of the things that we have had in common is we have uh, autistic children. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I thought was just super amazing about the teen workshop is we've had quite a few children on the spectrum kind of Yes, rolling. we have. Most of them have been. <laughs> it's, it's odd. I can go through a whole two-hour session not making eye contact with anyone. Which is wonderful for writers. We probably are enjoying right. it. <laughs> I let them bring out their inner introvert while being extroverted. It's, it's interesting. Yeah, and you know what I think? I, I, I wonder what your take on it is, but I, I know um, in the communities that I've been in and you know things that we see about children that are on the spectrum or have learning delays, which I know we've had a few kiddos go through your program there too, um, people think that autistic or learning delayed children aren't creative or emotional oh I think it's the exact opposite exact opposite they have a hard time expressing it sometimes but writing I think makes it so much easier for them they don't have to speak it they don't have to do the social side they just have to write it and they come out with things that floor me I've often told my wife Kathy that the Monday and Wednesday night adult workshops I come upstairs afterward and I'm energized and I want to write and Thursday I'm just tired (laughs) I have the teens because they have so much energy for it. I can't keep up. I walk in with 
creativity exercises planned and I very rarely do them because they'll say something that'll get us off in a whole nother direction. And I never know what we're doing. And I, I just think that's so, it's wonderful to see kids that others maybe, maybe they ignore or discard just because they're very, very introverted, several of the girls. And, mm -hmm. um, but some of the writing that I've seen or heard through my daughter, the one that's actually in the class is not on the spectrum. And just to hear about the other girls and the, their ideas and the writing that they have. Well, I, the thing, the things they come out with, because I don't, I don't use the word censor because a lot of it's written in class, but I don't restrict other than things that are illegal. I mean, they're not going to be doing, you know, child pornography or hate speech, but anything else goes. And I think all kids, not just on the spectrum, they don't know how to handle that. But the spectrum kids are like, all right, let's do it. Yeah. And they'll come out with things that some of my adults might blush at. Yeah, that's fine. I, I, my, um, my one, my one daughter came home and one day and she was, she's giddy. She's giddy most days after a good <laughs> workshop. And, um, she's talking about like this donut Island or something. And, and she has this whole backstory of this imaginary donut Joey guy. Yeah. yeah there's a character named jelly donut. I remember yeah. that night. Yeah. It and it's, just, it's, it's amazing. Now. So something I think is interesting though. Um, a, I, I love the workshop and I love what you're doing for, ch for kids in general, but explicitly, you know, I guess not even on purpose. The kids just were attracted to the writing workshop, but your genre, personal genre, actually doesn't align all that naturally with being a teen writing workshop. No, it doesn't. I'm a crime and horror writer. So no, but I also teach once a year at UW-Whitewater for the Young Writers Festival, and they have a mystery and terror section. I, I teach three sessions of that this year. In fact, it's next Wednesday. And they almost eliminated it as a category a couple of years ago. Mm. And in fact, they had eliminated it when I signed up to work it. It wasn't there. And they said, well, you can do short fiction. I said, I know I can, but where's terror and mystery? And you can do poetry. And I said, no, I can't. <laughs> like, I don't actually want me can't. to do poetry. <laughs> where's terror and mystery? And she told me they decided to get rid of it because the kids were just so explicit. And I said, but that's stupid. This is a friend of mine. I just flat out said, that's stupid. And she said, well, the board figured, but if you want to write up a quick paragraph, explaining why we should keep it, we'll reconsider it for this year. It's early enough. Nine paragraphs later, I was done with my brief paragraph. Yeah, we're prolific, maybe. And, you know, well, we can't explain it simply when we can go into great detail. And I said, you know, these are teenagers. The romance is going to be more overwrought. The poetry is going to be more angsty. The Westerns are going to have more horses. Of course they're going to go over the top with blood and guts and gore. It's a teaching opportunity to teach subtlety, to teach creative ways to say things that aren't going to gross out the audience. And they brought it back. Okay. And they actually have more sessions of it now than they used to. That's exciting. I actually didn't know you were doing that. I, um, I graduated from my undergrad as UW-Whitewater. Okay. I and know. I know, right? See, look, we learn things all the time. And um, I was for four 
four of the four and a half years I was there. I was a double major in English writing and computer science. So I finished the science. I maybe didn't finish the writing one, but don't tell Kathy. Well, that sounds like a theme. Yeah, that sounds like a theme. Hmm. Yeah, I haven't finished my books yet either, but don't tell my, my mentor at all. So we, but um, I remember there was this wonderful teacher there. His name was Mr. Trudell. And um, he was a bit of a shocker for me because he wrote about two things. Um, he wrote about basketball and penises. And, and I'm not kidding. There's a penis in every single story he did. And I'm going to figure out that combination, but later. Yeah, I don't know either. But, um, and I remember the first few times kind of being just shocked, like a little bit like, oh, um, um, and, and he's published, right? He has all these books and, and the point ended up being similar to what you had just said was I think art comes in every form and we, sure we should be careful not to censor. Mm -hmm. um, if you don't like it, don't read it. It's very simple. Right. Right. And with and, the kids, I just tell them you have the same rules as the adults, nothing different. Yeah. The only time I've ever restricted is when we used to do camps for different age groups, the elementary schoolers I did restrictions on. Yeah. We probably shouldn't be, you know, yeah doing YA porn or anything like that there. But, um, but even that, I think that's interesting that you mentioned kind of that age group and sort of learning restraint because some of the YA stuff or young adult, um, especially like the, like I would say kind of fan fiction stuff, like the True Bloodish or the Hunger Games or. Uh, they get explicit. They get pretty darn, wow. Like you, if you're a little bit of a conservative Midwesterner, like maybe I am, you can get a bit blushy from the the mm -hmm. young adult writing, which is which is interesting. So I'm glad they. I, mean, I grew up in the Southern Baptist South, so it's a whole new world for me. So you're like, hmm, yeah, but I've read some of your stuff. So would you uh, mind sharing with us um, anything you're allowed to share with us, like something about one of the books you've wrote written or um, a favorite character or anything like that? Oh, sure. I, I'll use this as an example of how different types of art can feed off each other. I was in a workshop that we did as a participant. Uh, G.K. Worry did a workshop called Novella, It's Not Just a Cool Name for Your Cat, which G.K. is a little weird. And we had to write an opening page for a proposed novella where we had to try to incorporate the main characters, the setting, the theme, and the plot, which any writer will tell you, oh my God, that's impossible. And I sat there and I thought about it. And there is this little statue on one of our bookshelves that has nothing to do with what I wrote, but it's what inspired it. It was just of a woman. And I thought, okay, let's start with a woman. She looks like a young woman. This little statue led to the opening line, which is different now, but it's what's from what's coming out. Mandy Heineman, no, Mandy Mazamoli, she had to remind herself had less than 24 hours marriage under her garter belt when she and her husband committed their first robbery. Ah, nice. I wrote that down and thought, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> and went from there. And so out of this little statue and this little prompt came the book that I have coming out in June called A Week of Criminal Happiness because I wanted to know what happened. And I thought it'll make a cute little short story. 350 pages later, it's not so short. Yeah, oh, that's nice and interesting. And I, I love Mandy because she's not the brightest person in the world. And most of my characters tend to be smarter. 
So to sustain the voice of a woman, which I'm not, who's not particularly smart, which I'd like to think I'm not, who's in love with a guy, which I'm not, and living in 1954, which I never did, despite what my students might think, <laughs> was a challenge. But it all came out of this little statue and this suggestion from another teacher. Oh, wow. From. And now for the cover for it, the publisher has been really great. They said, if you have anything you want, submit it. I have a coworker. I work in a store that sells pretty much everything. But a coworker who works in the paint department who's an artist. She's she's also very much on the spectrum because you want someone in retail who does not make eye contact with the customers. Yeah. For some reason, she does very well. It doesn't make sense, but she does very well. And so I, I contacted her on Facebook and said, this is what I'm thinking. Do you know anyone who could do it or could you do it? I said, I want a 50s detective novel feel. That's all I said. And she was at the grocery store in line, and she texted back within 10 minutes of samples of just what I was looking for. She nailed it. Oh, that's so exciting. She got the job, and she's created a beautiful cover that I'm hoping the publisher says yes to. If not, it's still going into publicity. Love because it. Because one, it's beautiful, and two, I paid for it. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. So, so speaking of inspiration, wonderful tie-in. Thank you. Um, You're welcome. So one of the things that inspired you, right, was another... Uh, a teacher and then right. um, some beautiful statue or ugly statue who knows a statue on your wall um i like to ask i actually get asked this question uh this year i went and spoke at a couple schools um you i think you may have as well i did uh, as well yeah and every single time we talk to the kiddos um in both schools that i was at they always say well do you ever get writer's block and i have an answer but i'm very curious um since we're talking about inspiration, do you ever get writer's block, Michael? And if so, what do you do about it? Have you met my wife? I have. I know you have. <laughs> writer's block is not a thing. I That's agree what I with say her too. on that. I agree with her on that one. If you're blocked, it just means you're fearing what you're writing. Mm. She says that people are afraid to write the stupid. And everybody says, this is just stupid. That's not always stupid. Sometimes it's just something that you're not ready to write or something that some part of you is saying you're not ready to write. And I agree with her. You just write anyway. Just keep going. Let it be stupid. Who cares? Out of stupid can come wonderful stuff. I have a short story. It's now in an anthology called Mammoth Book of Tales from the Road. It's in there along with an excerpt from The Grapes of Wrath. Um, Hunter S. Thompson is in there. <laughs> So it's got some big names, and we're all on the cover. There's those three, a couple others, and many more, which is me. But I was on a bus one day coming from Milwaukee in the snow. It's moving maybe two miles an hour. I have nothing to do, and I thought, you're a creative writing teacher. You teach a prompt writing workshop. Give yourself a prompt. So I decided to write the stupidest opening line I could think of and go from there. And so I wrote, it was the turtle that made bringing grandpa home to die more fun than it had any right to be. <laughs> and again, I had one of those, well, what the heck does that mean moments? And started writing from it. And I went to workshop the next night and Kathy was leading the workshop and I was sitting next to her and my turn came up and I read the first page or so of this story. 
that I had written. And she looked at me and said, what the hell was that? I said, I don't know, but we'll find out. It became a story called The Two-Ton Turtle of Tatler's Terrace, which shows you how serious a story it is. And one night, about two years after it was published, I'm at home and I get this instant message from this girl in Ohio who's in a, in a literature class in college. And they've chosen, for some reason, this book where they all have to pick a story and write about it. And she picked mine. And she's asking me questions about it, about the themes of immortality and reincarnation and first love. And I'm like, yeah, you're really good. You picked up on everything I was after thinking it's a story about a runaway turtle. Yeah, I know. I know. Those things are there. Yeah. They're certainly there. But I didn't intend them. uh, Sorry for cutting off. Uh, I was talking to um, a friend of mine um, a couple of writer friends of mine actually, and we were we were reading one another's work. Um, it was kind of like impromptu workshop, but not through a workshop community. And um, I, I I thought it was funny because I said when I was in when I was in college or college, yeah, we read Huck Finn, and um, mm-hmm. there's a scene in Huck Finn that I thought was really cool. Is about they threw keys at him and he or threw something at the Huck Finn character at that moment. And he opened, or he closed his legs to catch them, but he was dressed up as a girl. And then the other character knew immediately right. that he was a boy. And they're like, why? And everyone in the room's like, why? Well, because girls that time opened their legs because they always wore dresses and it would fall, but a guy would close them because he wore pants. Right. And um, so we were talking about like that scene. And I said, you know, as interesting as the whole point of that class was to find all these underlying deep-seated moments of theory and themes and and I laughed and I said you know I'm writing a book right now about dragons and um, I'm writing about dragons because dragons are super cool uh, and, and like but I'm let my daughter and all, a couple other people kind of like you know test read and they're like oh my gosh there's like some religious undertones in here and did you notice this like coming of age story and I'm like mm-hmm. I was right about dragons folks but yep for sure yep. totally there with the new book, Week of Criminal Happiness, I kind of went through the same thing. I'm writing this book and having no clue where it's going. And it's finished, and I send it off to a publisher, who, my old publisher, who rejected it. New publisher accepted it. And the first question they ask is, what genre do you want it marketed in? And I sat there and thought, is there a historical comedic criminal coming of age category <laughs> and then hit me i didn't intend a coming of age book not at all but it's what it turned out to be my characters grew up in the course of seven days they grew up a lot when they were forced into the role of parents after accidentally kidnapping a 12 year old boy and keeping him like a puppy which everyone does for sure absolutely I figured the kid would be there two or three pages when he showed up around page 100 and he never went away. <laughs> he made the cover. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, it's so much fun. I, so I think writing is, um, so what's interesting is I'm a technologist, right? I've been a computer programmer for about 20 years. I'm an and, accountant. And you're an accountant, so. right? And we're like the least likely um, writers. Uh, mm-hmm. and I, I find that there's many more of us than um people would know and 
some of the beauty that comes out of random inspiration is so oh, yeah. fun. And I think people need some way to ex express it. We did a survey years back, it was before you were involved with All Writers, that we asked our students, what is your profession? Because God knows writing is not where you're making your money. <laughs> no one does. And the number one profession was medical. Hmm. Number two was therapist. Hmm. Number three was financial. Really? That's we're pretty far down the list. Huh? The English majors and the lit majors, they were pretty far down the list. It was yeah. the people who were in the unexpected fields that were here. Mm. Maybe it's and our with, alter ego, right? That gives us with our track record, I don't think we can argue that they shouldn't be. Yeah, that's true. What? How many, do you know offhand, like close, how many books has your organization and your teaching staff helped other uh, authors get out now? Over 100 maybe? Oh yeah, it's roughly, if I had to, guess and I was just looking at this so I should make it an educated guess around 115 yeah I thought just you guys most of them in the last four years and a couple yeah there's a couple authors maybe I get lucky and I can get them on the podcast but um that I met at the all writers um there's a retreat that you guys do right. every year and I want to say Chicago area mm -hmm. and I've met a few amazing writers there and what's really fun is to meet a writer and then see their book come out like yep. a book um, I think Julie yeah, that doesn't go away. We celebrate each and every one of them. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, I don't know why I just get, I'm gleeful. Like I, I think Julie, Julie Beckman, she released two trees mm -hmm. rather recently. And, um, our friend Carrie, they get Carrie released, uh, well, it's, and this has been a couple of years, or at least a year now, her, her book, um, pick my teeth from your bones, something like pick that. Pick my teeth from your bones. Yep. Carrie Newberry. Uh, completely unexpected. The, the book is not what you think from the title, which is great. Um, mm -hmm. So just, just uh, Carrie, what was it? Carrie Crowley. She wrote the booger books. I call them the series. Right. Those right. are mucus so Limbaugh. Yeah. They're the funnest ever. And so I, I, and all of them completely different types of writing, mm -hmm. similar, like same coaching community, same coaches, um, right. but their inspiration just took their stories somewhere else. Was, and they inspire us. I'm sure. Like I said, with the workshops, I come upstairs wanting to write. Except and by that point, I've worked eight or nine hours and I've taught a couple hours. I should be tired. And, you know, I'm narcoleptic. I should be sleeping. Yeah. But no, I want to write that. Yeah. And I didn't actually think to bring that up. But um, so now that you let the narco narcoleptic out of the bag. Oops. Uh, no, no, it's okay. I just, you know, you don't want to share other people's stories unless they're willing oh. to share them. And so that, I have to say, that is something else that's really and for me has been inspiring about you is you've had like this really interesting um, curvy path toward life. Um, having, you know, having narcolepsy, having a certain career path kind of go a different way, still mm -hmm. writing, you know, you don't drive, so you still have to live and get places. Right. And you haven't really, it doesn't seem like it slowed you down. You just keep, keep hitting it every day. Well, part of it is I don't want to be bored. Yeah. Okay. That's a big chunk for me. And I don't know what I would do if I didn't have outlets to keep me going. Yeah. I'd probably just sleep all day and one day not wake up. And that's really not my goal. So yeah, not, not the goal. I like to think I have a few years left in me. <laughs> okay. So um, I did want to ask one more question if, if you have time. 
Um, I have all day. I, I thought, I might be wrong, but I thought, didn't you start writing sort of from like a radio script or something? I did. What happened was I was 29. I hadn't written anything since high school. But I was 29, turning 30, facing 30, and you're supposed to do something dramatic for 30. I worked in the, at that point, in the trust department of a bank. You can't get more stuffy and conservative than the trust department of a bank. And, but I wanted something flashy, but I'm an accountant. I don't bungee jump. Bungee jump is stupid. Yeah. I don't skydive. It doesn't make sense. I don't cliff dive. I mean, I can't swim, so I'd be dead. I wanted something. And I was a member of a group called the Friends of Old Time Radio, which for collectors of dramas from the 30s, 40s, 50s. And they set out an announcement that for their convention, they were going to do a script writing contest. It had to be based on an old radio show. I had no clue how to do this. But I thought, that's it. I'm going to do this because it's indoor, it's sedentary, it fits everything that fits me, but it's still different. And so I went to the library, and surprisingly, there is really no how-to guide on an art that hasn't been around for 50 years. <laughs> so I took, I had a basic idea for a script. I took a sample episode of the show and transcribed it line by line. Dialogue, sound, music, because I knew it had to look like a script. I knew that much. And then I patterned my um, script to theirs. Literally, the characters speak the same number of lines of dialogue, so I knew the timing would be right. And I won the contest. And I went to the convention. I was up on stage, and they introduced me. And they said the next year it would be fully dramatized at the convention. Well, this is cool. I like this. <laughs> Little introverted me. Everybody's looking at me. Go the next year. I've got my mom and my sister there. Talk them into going to this thing. And I'm in the rehearsals and going in for the rehearsal. And they, the director had cast the show. My narrator was Bob Hastings, who was on McHale's Navy. And all in the family. He was Kelsey, the bartender. General Hospital for years and years. But he, as a child, he was a radio actor. But he was my narrator. And one of my killers was the original voice of Lucky the Leprechaun, of all things. Lucky the Leprechaun played a killer for me. And then there were some others. And I had a ball. And that year, they, it was their 20th anniversary, so they decided to do a variety show. And they asked me to contribute to it. So throughout the year, I'm working with the same director. And I give him some stuff, and he asks for more. And I give him some stuff, and they had like 15 different people writing this thing. When they pared it down, we had about three hours worth of material, and we needed an hour and a half. So in rehearsals, the day before it goes live with an elderly cast, we had to cut it in half. Oh. And everything I wrote except for half of one skit got included. And a lot of people got cut out completely. It's like, okay, maybe I can do this. And so I tried another radio show with someone who was in the cast of the first one, who still has a show out in um, Pasadena. I gave her a script and she said, I hate the title, but I love the story. So we're going to retitle it. <laughs> like, okay, I don't care. And it went from there. 
And then I decided to try prose fiction and here I am. Awesome. Wow. I love that. That's because it's a an unexpected, you know, way an unexpected inspiration yeah. that it was supposed to be a one-time thing, not a lifestyle. No, yeah, now it's a, now it's what you do, right? Every moment it's through writing that I met my wife. We now have our daughter. None of that would have happened. No, that's beautiful. Well, um, before we close out here, uh, if you had, which you do, right? Because I'm giving it to you. If you had any advice to give someone who's not sure if they're a writer what would you say to them give it a shot what have you got to lose yeah that's fair right you're pretty practical a little, little bit of time that you'd spend watching the bachelor or something who cares if that's not in your life just just give it a shot and yeah. then find somebody or a group i know a group to take it to and see what they think so can you tell us like uh, so i didn't realize i was going to do this but i want to anyway could you tell us um <laughs> We've, we've, I didn't mean to talk around it, but who, where would they go? Like, who do you represent or what's your organization called? How can people well, find We're All Writers Workplace and Workshop, allwritersworkshop.com for people not in the Waukesha area, which most people aren't. Um, there are others out there. The advice I would give, and I give this advice at any place I teach, including the Young Writers I'll do next week, Find out who's at the front of the room and why they're qualified to be there. Hmm. Why because do you say I have seen, I have seen and I've heard about workshops that are led by people who aren't published. Hmm. Well, why do you want to take writing advice from someone who's in the same position you are? And I know Kathy went knows of one where the workshop leader said flat out, "Oh, I don't write, but I really like to read." Okay, I like to think, but I'm not a brain surgeon. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's it's a craft as well as an art, and someone who's doing it has to be able to do both sides of it. No, that's good advice. The other thing um I learned because of the community actually, um I actually thought writing had to. I liked at first that writing allowed me to be autonomous and and be in my little hovel because I'm a bit of an interesting introvert extrovert person, but um. Writing doesn't have to be lonely though, right? So that's no. that. No, the studio's original um, mission statement, and we still use it in some of our advertising, is writing is an act of isolation, but writers don't have to be isolated. If you're a writer, welcome to all writers, welcome home. Yeah. Because we want the community. And, and I, for anyone who doesn't actually know how that would help, um, I didn't even know there was this thing called workshopping a a, a book or a article or whatever. Um, reading cards. We've done all kinds of things. And just even getting the chance to read your work out loud amongst safe, constructive right. support. Wow. You know, it's, it's, that's, it's, that's the yeah. other half of it to me. If you find a place, if you're not comfortable, leave it. There no, are right. cutthroat. There are cutthroat organizations out there who will encourage people to just be awful in workshop colleges, especially because they want the best of the best. But who are they to say who the best is? Yeah, that's if, true. If they're trying to change you to write like they do, they're not doing you any favors because you don't write like them. You write like you. Yeah. 
I always tell people, in fact, this came up, we just did a presentation a couple weeks ago at the Southeast Wisconsin Festival of Books called The Writer's Reality Show. And one of the little skits we did was the writer who tries to incorporate every single suggestion that they get in the workshop. It can't be done. We had one writer a few years back who tried to do that. And Kathy was leading the workshop. I was in it. And we started intentionally saying opposite things just to watch her head explode because she couldn't both have the character get stabbed and not get stabbed. It's an either or. But we were trying to get a point across the point. It's your work. Do it your way. I think there's some the real wonderful value I've seen. And I didn't expect it because I'm, I'm a nerd and I think I know everything until I realize I don't. And um, just little things like recent, and I've been doing it a lot recently, so I should probably look at it, but point of view slip. Because you are writing as God, right? You know all things because you're the writer. But your characters aren't, right? Your characters don't always know all things. They don't. And And they shouldn't. And they shouldn't. But that stuff is so hard to catch when you're, I don't know, I like exist in my fiction. Like I'm, Mm -hmm. even I'm part of it, even if I'm not a character in it. But I don't see that because... I'm way too close, but just having mm-hmm. someone else go, Hey, you know, great story. Love everything. But would Barth actually know what Cornelius was thinking? Oh no, right. he wouldn't. Right. <laughs> so there's value in just sort of that unbiased, completely intent to help, which is where I like your last statement. Um, if you don't like the workshopping that you're in or the community that you're in, don't leave writing. Leave right, leave the, right. Because there are inclusive. the ones who are like that ex- colleges accepted, they tend to disband. We've been here for almost fifteen years. We're doing something right. They're doing something right, yeah. And one hundred and fifteen published or are around there books. Someday right. one of mine will be there. And plus articles and poems and yeah, chapbooks. You name it. It's awesome. It's it's a lot of fun. It is. I, I'm glad that I've been um, given opportunity to be part of your community. And I'm so thankful that you took the time to come talk to our listeners. Oh, my and pleasure. I um, thank you. Anything for, for you, Jackie. Thank you for inspiring my lovely daughter because. Who does was, that exact same motion that you just did. Does she? <laughs> she does. does. When she gets up to me. Um, you know, so some good news before I get off, actually. So, um, she started your workshop. I, I want to say she's been in at least a year or maybe longer. At least, yeah. And before that, she liked to draw a little. She liked to act a little. She liked to write a little. But she's actually now applying to go to a school that specializes in creative arts. Yeah. And yeah. And I, I think in large part, it was because she found a safe place to just be her mm-hmm. and not be censored because she's a very unique and very bright spirit. And she doesn't necessarily fit into the boxes that people want. No, she doesn't. And, uh, but it was, it's a beautiful thing when you encourage that in a safe way. And I think that's what the workshop has been able to do for her. The so closest I've come to restricting anything was actually this past week. I asked her to please write on the paper and not herself. I've done that too, yeah. <laughs> Beyond that, I really don't restrict much. 
those kids. Well, thanks again, Michael. Um, My pleasure. We'll get to talk to you again soon and um, say hi to Kathy for everybody, okay? I will. All right, bye.